You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, we're going to talk about tournament day. You know, um, in North America, at least, it is predominantly tournaments that you're going to be playing in, unless you're a college coach or you're a high school coach, etc. But even then, you're still going to be involved in at least a couple tournaments uh, in your season. So how do you plan for your tournament? What are some strategies you can do to maximize your team's ability to perform at a high level at a tournament? And what about post-tournament? What are you doing then to make sure that you can, you know, take away from that experience and better your team? Well, we're going to talk about all of these things in today's episode. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after a number of years coaching competitive volleyball and as the head coach of the biggest college in Canada, I've become obsessed with helping coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to coach efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is... The Volleyball by Design Podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 101. Wow, 101 of the Volleyball by Design Podcast. How is everyone doing out there today? For my new listeners, my name is Coach Brian Singh, and I'm the host of the podcast. And for my regular listeners, as always, thank you so much for tuning in. You know how much I appreciate it. And uh, I can't believe I said 101 episodes. So last week, we had our 100th episode, and I just want to thank everyone that reached out personally via Instagram, sent me a DM. I I think I responded to everybody that did, Um, and it was just a way for me to get to connect with you guys because I know, you know, with the podcast, it's a one-way communication here, and I I don't necessarily get a chance to, you know connect with my listeners, and it was really cool because um, I got a chance to connect with listeners all around the world. It was unbelievable how many listeners that listen to this podcast that are outside of of North America, you know? I know many listeners are from Canada and the U.S., but I mean, Australia, Spain, France, Italy, Germany, um, so many other places outside, I, I can't even list them all, but it was just incredible to get a chance to connect with all of you. Netherlands, like, I mean, I'm going to forget a lot of countries, so I should stop listing them. But there's at least 25 different countries, at least, and that, that, that reached out. And I know more countries listen to it because I look at my stats, you know, every so often. So anyways, thank you so much for reaching out. I hope uh, I was fortunate enough to connect with you guys, and, and I appreciate that. I really do. And we have another um, another episode this week for you guys. We're going to talk about tournaments. We're going to talk about tournament play. And, you know, really the question of how do you plan for a tournament, you know? How do you plan for a, uh, a, a bid tournament or a provincial tournament or, you know, depending on the type of tournaments you have in your area, you know, how do you plan for it? So I'm going to give you some strategies that you can use to maximize your opportunity to perform at this tournament. There are a lot of things we can do that are in our realm of, of our, our coaching toolbox that can help your team play at a high level. And I'm going to go, and none of these strategies, by the way, have to do with skill. Uh, so let, let's start off by this, this episode by just asking a simple question. What is the goal of the tournament? You know, no, and, and I, and I, you might say like, that's a really silly question, but, but what is your overall goal at the tournament? And there's a lot of different goals that you could have as a coach. Is your goal to have fun, to strictly go out there, have fun, you know, everyone is going to get equal playing time and we're just going to go out there and, and you know, do our best and, and have fun. 
That's one goal. And there's nothing wrong with that goal, by the way, but that's one goal. The second thing is, are you going to go out there and try to win? Is your main objective for this tournament to win? So if your main objective is to win, your plan might be a little bit different than your if your plan was, you know, just to have fun. Now you may say, wait a minute, coach, like I want to do both. I want to, I want to have fun and I want to try to win. And that's absolutely possible to have a plan for both, but it's going to be a little bit of a weaker plan than if it was a, just a plan to win. Because there, there are plans where you can definitely do both. Um, and um, we, as you see that when I talk about the strategies, you'll see why I differentiate the two more specifically, have fun or win. Um, but there is areas where you can, you can achieve the combination of both, but you're going to take away some strategies to win to solely focus on winning. And then obviously you'll take away some strategies to focus solely on having fun. But it's important to differentiate the two or the three rather and have that in mind because there are a lot of other factors at play in your programming. And I'm going to speak to a lot of different types of programs, not necessarily the program I would run. Like, for example, there are a lot of clubs or a lot of teams where you may have a, uh, a parent group that strictly says, no, 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 there's, there's no, there, everyone plays. And if you went into that team with that understanding that that's the group that you're going to be dealing with, then that's what you have. You're, you can't all of a sudden, if your parents, and if you haven't made this clear at the beginning of the season, if your parents and your club and everyone has the intentions that everybody's going to get a play, then that, you're on the hook for that. You can't all of a sudden switch it up and say, no, 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 our goal is to win now. Not everyone's going to play because that's going to go over or that's going to go over really bad with the parents and the club. And, you know, you don't want to get into things like that. That's why I won't get into this, but that's why I say at the beginning, have a clear, clear understanding of what kind of team you're going to have. Are you going to have a competitive team where the objective is to win, learn the game, you know, compete, have fun, all that stuff? Um, or are you going to have more of a house league type team where everyone gets a chance to play? Because that's a big differentiation. If you're going to have a house league team, then everyone plays. If you're going to have a competitive volleyball team, then it's impossible to have everyone have equal playing time unless your team composed of the best players in in the region. That's another conversation, right? So understanding that. Okay. So the second thing I want to say is, so understanding your objective, okay? And then also understanding what age group you're coaching. You know, if you're going to be coaching a 13U, a 12U, 11U team, your tournament plan is going to look a little bit different than maybe a 14, 15 new team and above. Okay. So let's just start there understanding that. All right. So those are the two opening statements I want to make. Now, if you've made a decision to, you want to win. Now I'm going to talk about, cause I know majority of the coaches listening to this are going to want to, I want to know everything there is to know about trying to win this tournament. Well, let's, we'll, we'll deal with fun later. Okay. So I'm going to speak to you coaches. Uh, and if coaches, you just want to have fun, you can still take a lot of good, valuable things away from this that you can apply to your team and have fun at the same time. But let's just start with, let's, let's have the objective of trying to win this thing. Let's try to win this thing. So it actually starts before the tournament. So Tournament preparation begins before the tournament. We'll talk about the week before the tournament. As soon as they release the schedule, you're going to know the teams that are in your pool. And when you are given that information, the first thing I want you to do is see if you have any film on that team. That's that's the thing you got to do. See if you have any film on that team because your match preparation is going to start now. So if this is the very first tournament of the year, you, you probably don't. You're not going to have any film um, you may have film from the previous year, but maybe the teams look different. I mean, nothing's ever. It's tough to go by, you know, film that were ta- that was taken months prior to your season. It's it's not a, it's not optimal. 
So the very first tournament, this won't apply. But your second tournament, it, def it definitely will. So look and see if you have film. If you do have film, fantastic. You are going to create uh, what I call a miniature scouting report. Now, for tournaments, you can't really, you, you can, you can if you want, uh, but you can't really create an in-depth scouting report because there's so many teams you're going to play and you're just going to confuse your players. So what I say is you're going to create a simple match preparation scouting report. And this is all that it's going to compose of. It's going to compose of the strengths of the team. It's going to compose of the weaknesses of the team. So you list really simply the strengths and the weaknesses. Now, the more, the only specific detail you're going to have that may involve a little bit of studying, if you want to call it that, is serving charts. Now, I am a big believer in having serving charts regardless of the level you're at. Now, if you're at like a 13, 12, 11 U level where the team is just trying to get the ball over the net, meaning like that's the, that's the team's ability. Their skill level is at a point where their goal is just to get the ball over the net, then you don't have to worry about serving charts per se. They still can be valuable, but if they're just can't get the ball over the net, don't don't stress too much about it. But if they're consistently serving the ball over the net and that and they can do that, then serving charts are going to be really important. Why? And you've heard me talk about this on the past pods, but serving charts and having serving tendencies help your team's ability to pass the ball at a higher clip. Because now you take the element of I don't want to say take it out completely, but you just made your read a lot easier because when number six goes up to serve, your entire team is going to know what type of serve that player likes to do. Do they like to float deep? Do they like to float to one? Maybe they, they like the six, five seam. Do they spin the ball? All of this information that you're going to get prior to the match is going to help you pass the ball so much more efficiently because you have, because you can use that information to your advantage. So for example, if you know the player likes a deep flow to one, well, guess what? You can shift your serve-receive line a little bit over to one, or you could at least know the ball is coming to one, so expect it to come to you if you're passing out of that passing zone, and that right there in itself helps mentally and physically prepare you for that serve to come over, because now you're going to know the serve to come over. So it's not like, oh, they beat you on the first serve. Okay, now I know what type of serve they're going to give me. I'll be even better ready for the second serve. You're already there. So if they beat you, they beat you because the serve was better than your ability to pass. And that is something, by the way, you're not going to fix in a tournament. That's something you have to go back to practice and fix. So that right off the bat is important. So strengths, weaknesses, serving chart. Then you're going to have a list of key takeaways. What were the key takeaways from this team? And then the last thing is, how do you win? What do you have to do to win the match? So if you notice, the only specific thing I talk about is serving charts. Everything else kind of ties into each other. Strengths and weaknesses are going to tie into your key takeaways because your key takeaways are going to be, ooh, this was the team's strengths and, oh, this is the team's weaknesses. How do you win? Probably exploiting those weaknesses and making sure you try to stop their strength as best as you can. So keep it simple like that. And, and, I, and I promise you, coaches, it's actually that simple. It's just a matter of understanding strengths, weaknesses, key takeaways, and how do you win? Come up with a plan of how do you win? And when you're doing this, you know, as a coach, I would list all the strengths and weaknesses as much as you can. But when you give this to your players, you're not going to give them a, 
a list of 20 strengths and 20 weaknesses, you're going to give them a list of your key takeaways. And your key takeaways will be probably the top maybe three or four strengths and the top three or four weaknesses, maybe even top five. And how do you win is how do you exploit those things? And that's very simple. And you're going to do this for each of the teams in your pool. Okay. So this is why it's important to do this well before the tournament. You're not giving this to them the night before the tournament. You're giving this to them, you know, a couple days at least before the tournament. And that way they could take it with them. And every practice, you can talk about some of the things that you're going to see in your game. You know, you are going to have a, a week of practice before your tournament where you're going to focus on exploiting those weaknesses that you found watching film and making sure your team can do it. At a, you know, they understand how to do it and they can do it. So that when they go to the game now, it's just a matter of executing it. Okay. So this is the stuff that you're going to want to do prior to, to the tournament. So it's funny when I talk about, do you have a plan for tournament day? A lot of this stuff happens before you even get to the gym. All right. So that's a pretty good, you know, I, I spent a little bit of time talking about uh, tournament preparation here. Okay. If you are a 13 and under a 12, you and under your, your, honestly, your, your match preparation is more going to be with, uh, maybe just key takeaways. I wouldn't even do observing charts. I just do key takeaways. I still would want you to do some match preparation. Don't get me. And I still would want you to do film. Um, but it's not going to be as important, right? It's going to be more of a focusing on your skills than theirs. Now, tournament day. Let's talk about tournament day. Uh, a general rule of thumb for me is you're arriving a minimum of 45 minutes prior to start time, especially if you have the first game. If you have the first game, I normally ha- want to have my players arrive an hour early or right when the gym opens. Um, I don't know if, if COVID has altered things in terms of uh, when you're allowed to get in, but 45 minutes is minimum. And that gives them enough time to get changed and ready to go. And you should be changed and ready to go 30 minutes prior to, to, to start time, without a doubt. Like I would even want you changed and ready, you know, 40 minutes prior to start time. And that gives you a chance to have a good warm up, get your mind in the right place have a chance to go over your team, go over with your team, you know, the report on who you're playing and key takeaways and things like that. Have your chance to have your setters get a good warm up on the court to get a lot of setting touches in before your game. You know, it's like basketball. In basketball, there is pregame where there's shoot around. And in shoot around, your players are out there 30 to 40 minutes shooting a ball and they have their shooting routine. Setting is the same thing. Go have a setting routine, you know, 20 balls to left side, 20 balls to middle, 20 balls to right side, 20 balls back court, setting from different areas of the court, you know, back set, right? All you're going to go, they're going to have a routine, go through a routine. If you don't have a routine, you should have a routine with your setters. Okay. Really important. Now, if you have the second game, meaning you don't have the first game, that doesn't mean you show up 30 minutes prior to your game time. That means you show up 10 to 15 minutes prior to the first game, because guess what you're doing during that first game? You're watching. You're watching the team that you're going to play, both teams you're going to play against in your pool. And you're cross-referencing that game with your scouting report, your serving charts, your strengths and weaknesses. So all your players are there and they're watching with intent. They're not just sitting back, chilling with their friends and watching the game and, you know, hanging out. I mean, they are doing that too, but you're watching with intention, and you're cross-referencing with your serving charts, your strengths and weaknesses to see if there are anything that changed. Maybe, you know, they, were, they had players that got injured and there are new players that are now going to be in the starting lineup that you may not have seen before. And now you can alter that scouting report. 
That's why, and the scouting report is simple enough to alter. Okay, you may have a new server that you want you want to chart to see what kind of servers they like to do. So these are things that are important to have and important to do at the beginning. So notice that, and mind mind you, this is and this is kind of the difference between are you there to have fun or are you there to win? Because if you're there to have fun, you would probably just sit back watch, enjoy. Hey, maybe you, you might not even come 30 minutes prior or, or 10 minutes prior to, to the start of the first match. Maybe you come just for your second match because you're just there to have fun. You're not trying to get there a little earlier because you want to prepare it for your next match. I mean, maybe you, maybe you are, maybe you're not. But uh, like, you know, this is why I like to differentiate the two. Maybe you just want to sit there and watch and not make notes and not have a serving chart ready to go. That's just if you're having fun. If you're trying to win, you're trying to, you're doing that. So like winning involves work, and that's why I say I mean the work can be fun, but you got I guess you got to define what fun is to you. So that is what you're doing in the first uh, bit of the game. Now um, I, I want to uh, add a couple of things in here that I'm sure many of you know, but it's just good to know. A food list. I think a food list is really important um, prior to your tournament. And if you don't know what a food list is, and you're listening to those coaches, a food list is simple. You send out a, a blank document. Or not, not a blank document, but a document where parents can fill in and fill in what they're bringing. So, you know, one one parent can be responsible for cutlery, so plates, knives, forks, etc. One one player might bring, or sorry, one parent might bring a salad. One parent might bring, I don't know, a pasta or or something. I don't know, sandwiches. Like, I don't know. You know, parents can bring a certain dish. To the tournament, so every if every player or every parent brings a dish, then at least it's organized. You don't have to go hunt for food. You don't have to go try to buy food. It's it's there. It's simple. It works, and you can operate in that way. Okay, so have a food list and recommendation, coaches. Not no fatty foods. No foods are gonna put you to sleep. You know, no pizza slices or fries or things like that that are gonna when your players finish eating them, they're gonna be dead tired and they're gonna have you know they're gonna have what's that called? Itis. They're gonna have itis uh, because they're exhausted. They're tired and they want to sleep. You don't want that. So foods that are gonna be you know more carbohydrates. You know things that are gonna get the blood pumping. Things gonna give them energy. Things like that. Um, good lean protein. You know, uh, chicken, uh, like chicken breast, you know, things like that. Or for vegetarians, you know, nuts, lots of nuts and grains and things like that, okay? So important, 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 good foods, all right? Uh, all right, so we talked about like the pre-match meetings you're going to have, go over the game plan. So when you have, before your game, you're going to have simple pre-match meetings before your games where you're going to go over simply strength, weaknesses, serving charts, key takeaways, how do you win? Really, really simple. Don't over, don't over deliver. I mean, not not over deliver. Wrong word. Don't over complicate it. Don't give them too much information. Which, if you had a good scouting report, wouldn't have too much information. Give them information they can retain. They can they can understand it. It's easy to understand, and they can go out and execute. That's the key. We want to be able to execute on these uh, strategies. Okay, on this game plan stuff, and. It's really important for your players on the bench to be engaged with the game because they're going to be shouting out things as well. So, for example, it's a lot when a player is on the court to be understanding a lot of things, especially at the younger age group. They 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 don't they can't retain all this information. But if you have players on the bench, 
that are uh, reiterating this information. So like, for example, when number six goes to serve, if a player forgets what they'd like to do, well, guess what? You have the players on the bench who they're, they can solely focus on delivering that game plan to your players on the court. And they can say, hey, number six loves that, that deep one. Watch the deep one float. And that will be like, oh yeah, players on the court. Like, yeah, that's right. They love that serve. So that, see that teamwork? So whether you're on the court or on the bench, you still have a lot of responsibility to help your team perform at a high level by giving them that simple information they can use to be better prepared to pass that ball, all right? Now, one thing I will say as well is you, you're not going to fix skills at tournaments. So one thing that I, I don't want coaches to fall into the trap of is pre-match talking about skills. Hey, when you go out there, make sure you're angling your target, make sure you're doing this. I mean, you can kind of really quickly say it, but that's not, that shouldn't be an emphasis because your players are not going to fix your skills during tournaments. It's not going to happen. That's something you got to work on in practice. Tournaments is about going out there and performing at to whatever skill you have right now. You're going to go out there and perform that skill to the best of your ability. There's no teaching at that point. Okay. So there are a couple other things. So we talked about the pool play, you know, understanding your strategy for pool play and things like that. Also, um, one thing that I would too as well do is look at teams that are not necessarily in your pool. And coaches, I wouldn't give this to your players um, before the match. I would give this to them after pool play is over. So coaches, for you, it's important to do this work prior to the tournament. So look at teams that are not in your pool but are in your tournament that you could potentially cross over with and still create this mini scouting report for those teams so that when the time comes where you're finished pool play and you're now getting ready for playoffs, you will have some information that you can give to your team to better prepare them for the tournament or for the match rather. And during your non-pool play games, coaches, while they're watching that team play, you can watch them for a set and then go maybe watch another set of volleyball for teams you'll play against, you know, down the road and just see if it matches up to what you had or see if you could take some notes away of things you can help your team prepare for when you do play them. All right. So notice a lot of the stuff I'm talking about, I'll be talking a lot, a lot about just simple things, but it's, it's, these are the things that can make or break, um, a couple points. And I'm sorry, but in our game, like I said, every point is 4% of your total score of 25. I'm willing to put some work in to get a 4% advantage, an 8% advantage. I mean, I hope you can agree with that. That's a significant advantage. So that's what's in our game, you know, getting one, getting an advantage for one point is pretty incredible, I'd say. Okay. So you can watch for other teams that are not in your pool. And again, key takeaways, serving tendencies, things like that. All right. Um, so yeah, look at, start tracking things in the crossover matches, uh, look for teams that you're not up against right away. And, you know, I, I want to kind of close out here by saying the big questions are how are teams winning? So how is your opponent winning and what do they do best and what are their weaknesses? Those are the three big questions that you could write down. If you're driving, don't write this down. But the three big questions are how do they win? And it kind of ties into what do they do best? And then what are their weaknesses? And you, those are the three big questions. And then your serving charts will, will, will kind of, your serving charts will probably help with that. Those three big questions. All right. Now, I, I do want to add in things not to do, okay? So these are things you should do, but things not to do. Now, this will go back to your goals. Are you there just to have fun? Are you there to win? Are you trying to do a combination of both, which might be tough, but you can. When you're off, 
So when your team is off, what is your team doing? Are they just socializing the entire time? They're not really watching games or hanging out. I mean, you can, but what's your goal? It all goes back to what's your goal? They should be watching games, observing other teams, you know? Not kicking it back away from the tournament with other teams, with other teams at that, hanging out with their friends from other teams, socializing, chilling, you know, things like that. Like, you know, that, again, if your goal is just to have fun, then yeah, no problem, you know? It's a tournament day. You should be having fun. I mean, winning is also fun, but, you know, I get that. Uh, also, please be careful with your athletes and junk food. They shouldn't be eating junk food. You know how many times I go to tournaments and I see kids eating candy? Like, what are you guys doing? Or sweet? Like, it's just, I mean... You can, but I mean, I would fuel your body with high performing foods than just, you know, junk and stuff like that. So be careful with that, you know, uh, like they shouldn't be drinking Coke at a tournament, you know, like things like that. Like, come on. I know I see it all the time. And again, you may be saying, coach, like, come on now, they're kids. And if that's your belief, okay, all the power to you. But this is just what I think. I think that they should be, you know, high protein foods, you know, good carbs, things like that. Now, post-tournament, okay? So after the tournament's over, I talked about a lot of match preparation stuff. Notice, I didn't spend a lot of time talking about skills because you're not fixing skills at a tournament. Post-tournament, you make sure you do a debrief with your coaches, do a debrief with your team. Really important. Don't just have your team go, okay, you lose your match or you win your match, congratulations, go. Have a debrief because everything is fresh in their minds. Talk about what the fantastic things they did. Let's start with that. What were the great things you did? And then talk about two or three things, no more than two or three things that you need to improve on as a team because everyone's going to be fresh. It's going to be evident and they're going to be able to reflect back on the fact that, yes, I didn't do this well or I, I need to improve on this. Okay. Film review. This is where you're going to go back after. You're going to watch film on your games. Yes, this does take some time. Okay. It does take some time, but you're going to watch film. And again, same things. What were the strengths of your team? What were the weaknesses of your team? And this is film on your team now, by the way. Okay. Now I did have a podcast episode. I think it was uh, two weeks ago where I talked about what to look for when it comes to watching film for your own team. Okay. What is, what do you do when you watch for film on your own team? And that's think, uh, episode 98. I think we talked about episode 98. So take a look at that or listen to that. So then you're going to do a team film session. Make sure you have a team film session as well. So you can identify weaknesses, strengths, things like that. And then you're going to base your upcoming practices on those film sessions, you know, on what we need to do to get better as a team. Uh, I would post all of your games to YouTube. Now, it doesn't have to be public. You can post it in an unlisted. And this is this is a free thing to do, you know. Make sure your team has access to the film. And the easiest way is to post it to YouTube, make it unlisted so other teams or other people can search for it. Uh, if, if, you, if you want it to be public, by all means, you can. But, you know, if you don't want it to be, no problem. So all your teams have access to... Uh, this film so they can go back and they can watch it and your players can watch and take notes your players should be watching and taking notes too by the way because you know the I always say the magic is in the debrief and it's true the magic is in the debrief when you debrief and when you go watch film and you look and see what your team's weaknesses are and your team and your players can see that your practices will be more structured they'll be more intentional and you'll be able to have a much better efficient practice and your team's going to improve that much faster this is kind of like a little uh, fast tracking your player development here too is doing that also review your stats i hope you're keeping stats coaches 
you know, your passing, your hitting efficiencies, what weakest rotations you had. Um, so you can really work on that. So your stats and your film sessions will combine to give you a really good understanding of your performance during that tournament and what you need to do to focus on to improve your team. And you have a practice plan, a good set of couple weeks where you can address those issues and you just became a better team. All right. So let's just recap really quickly here. Okay. So tournament day, what is your goals? Having fun, winning, combination of both. But I hope you can see why, as I, as I talked about these strategies, a lot of these strategies aren't fun. And that's why I say, what's your, what's your goal? Um, you know, watching match preparation, watching film, identifying strengths, weaknesses, serving charts, making sure you do your serving charts, key takeaways, and what do you do to win? The biggest question, what do you need to do to win? All right. Uh, at least 45 minutes before start time, if not earlier than that. If you have a second game, you are there for the first game, for the entirety of the first game to watch with intent, intentionally watching, seeing if things line up with your scouting report or if there's any changes you need to make, okay? Uh, there was the food list I talked about. The food list is important. You know, every, uh, parents bringing in something different, uh, making sure there's no fatty foods or things that are going to put you to sleep, okay? Pre-match meetings, go over your game plan. Keep it simple, 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 okay? Nothing too crazy, don't overload the, your team with information. Very simple. Uh, you're not going to fix skills during tournaments. So remember that. There's no skill fixing during tournaments, all right? Uh, also, you know, you might want to look at teams that are not in your pool. So, And this is both, both uh, pre-tournament, so looking at film on teams pre-tournament that are not in your pool, but having those reports ready for your players that after your first pool, or sorry, after you finished pool play and you can now focus on your playoffs, you'll have more intentional material you can share with your team, all right? Uh, the three big questions, you know, are they winning? All right, how do they win? How do you, How does your opponents win? What do they do best? And then what are their weaknesses? And that will help you understand the keys to winning. What not to do, I mean, again, this goes back to what your goals are. If your goals are to have fun or to win. Uh, I wouldn't just spend the entire time socializing, socializing with other players from other teams. You can, by the way. There's nothing wrong with saying hi to your buddies from other teams, but not the whole time. I mean, you're, you're there with your team. You got to dial in, you know? Uh so make sure you're intentional about what you're doing there. Uh, eating junk food. I mean, come on, guys. Don't be eating candy during a match, during a tournament. Stop that. And then post-tournament, you know, your debrief, stats, film review, film session, posting to YouTube to make sure they have access to the film. All of this is super important to understand, okay? So these, these are things that I think are important to take away, coaches. Um, and uh, a lot of these things I mentioned there about film review, film session, some of the things of scouting reports and looking at and understanding how to make a serving chart. If you don't know how to do that, um, I do have all of these live trainings inside Digital Volleyball Academy. So if you're a DVA member and you heard a lot of great things on here that you're not really sure how to do or you want to see how I do mine, they're all inside Digital Volleyball Academy inside your membership portal. So go log into that and head over to the Coach's Blueprint and you're going to see all of the stuff I talked about today and how we do it. Now, if you're a, um, a coach out there that's not in Digital Volleyball Academy and you'd like to be, head on over to digitalvolleyballacademy.com and find out more information. See if you can get signed up, go on the wait list, whatever it is you want to do, reach out to me. But, you know, this is the time to really understand this kind of stuff and uh, and learn it because it's going to help your team. And if you don't know what Digital Volleyball Academy is, by the way, it's my signature membership where I get to work with coaches from all around the world and help them get better, help them improve their knowledge and skills of the game, help them understand how to create a championship volleyball program. It's funny, if you've never been taught how to create that 
it's really important to know how to do that. And I help my coaches. What does a volleyball program look like? What does a successful volleyball program look like? How do you be more efficient in your practices, in your game planning? How do you train your players to have faster skill development? You know, we talk about all of these things. So I, it's really my mentorship program where I get to bring coaches behind the scenes to what we do in our college gym. They get to come and see what I do in my practices, my film sessions, my game planning, and they get access to all my resources, all the courses that I've created so that you can become a more confident and knowledgeable coach to create that high-level volleyball program for your team. And it ultimately, hopefully, it leads to wins, you know, because that's what we're all about. We're all about trying to set yourself up to win, to create better experiences for your athletes so they, they can become better people and better volleyball players. So that's what the Academy is all about. So go on over to digitalvolleyballacademy.com. Can't wait to see you over there. And uh, that's it for me. I will see you guys next week on another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. Take care. All right, cue the music. Look, are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training? And instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days. When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. Let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.